Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Aaron Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast. My podcast is about immigrants, immigration, and everything in between. February, guys. Second month of the year. How are you guys doing? I hope everyone's keeping healthy, staying sane. I know most of us are still in lockdown. Some of us are still in EQ. Some of us are just unsure of life. I hope everyone is staying positive or trying to be positive for the most case. I know sometimes it feels like you're in an ocean and you're sitting in front of the ocean and waves are just coming at you one after the other, after the other, after the other. But I like to think this way. When I spoke to some soldiers that went through training and they were being fairly, um, I'll say tortured, because they were physically abused, mentally abused and everything. I asked several of them, and, and I asked them what was going through your mind while you're going through that hardship. And they said, they, these people didn't, doesn't know each other, but they say, they said the same thing. They said, it will pass, this will pass. You know, I know that sounds corny. I know that sounds so cliche, but that what made them go through that hardship. And I think we should apply that philosophy on our life, especially now. It will pass. It, it cannot be just always low or high or medium. It will pass. Just whatever you're going through, toughen it out, enjoy life, you know. I know it's hard to be with friends and family, but there are ways. There are Zoom apps that you can use. There's, you know, Facebook, there's social media. This is the time that you can use social media as a positive effect in your life other than the negative part. Because no one's traveling. No one's going to post bikini post in at the beach and saying, hey, you know, I love this life or I'm living a great life. No one. Everyone's in the house. I hope so, right? At least. But yeah, so try to be positive. Use that power. Use that privilege to connect with your family and friends and other people. All right. Enough of the Tony Robbins talk. I know you're not here to listen to my banter or what have you. I know you're here to listen to my guest. But before that, I want to ask a favor from you especially the ones that listen through Apple Podcasts. You know, if you scroll down on the Apple Podcast, you can see this five stars. It's a rating uh, way. I would really appreciate if you could leave a five-star rating. Or in, if you have extra time, you can scroll lower down and you can actually write a review about the podcast. If you're a fan, if, if I, I'm even allowed to say that, and if you like listening to the podcast and you want to help out in a way that it could be um, anonymous, you can leave review. Positive review would be amazing. Negative review, hey, do what you want to do. I'm not going to tell you what you do with your life. But I seriously, uh, Apple Podcast people, help me out here, bro. Okay, right now we have nine ratings. I would like for that to be at least, at least higher than nine. 
Um, for the Spotify, I know you cannot do anything, but I mean, I appreciate the follows and the downloads and the share. And for the YouTube people, yeah, comment too. You know, that, that helps. You know, it makes me know that someone's listening, someone cares. All right, I know that you're getting bored now, so let's get to the show. Um, so this episode is about a woman that followed their heart. And I admire her, and she's one of my favorite people in the world. And in this episode, you can tell we are really good friends because we laughed a lot in this episode. And actually, there's a part of this episode that I couldn't stop laughing. It was too, it was too funny. So just a heads up, uh, my guest is in Africa. So the connection wasn't that so strong. So there are a bit of few audio drops. I tried to fix it to the best of my ability, but please excuse those parts. Other than that, this is a kick-ass episode. So enjoy. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today we have a very, very special guest. She is a writer, a wildlife preservationist, and a social activist. She's as gorgeous as Priyanka Chopra and as big-hearted as Mother Teresa. Everyone, please welcome my friend, Shital Patel. Oh, man. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How's going on, my man? My man. You know I call everyone dude and man. Just are we starting this off sexist? Hey, is that sexist? <laughs> I am doing good. Just chilling here in Nairobi. Mm, I know. Good life here. Where? In Canada or in Nairobi? Well, both. <laughs> now mine's better, I think. <laughs> hey, it's, yeah, of course yours is better. <laughs> nice and warm. Summer in December. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, it's sweet. It's getting cold here, so whatever. I prefer this over, I don't know, starvation, I guess. <laughs> okay, that, that's dark. <laughs> I'm always dark, you know that. Uh, All right. First, I want to thank you for your time and pausing your African safaris and to be on the podcast. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, I want to ask you, when was the last time you went on a safari? Uh, last weekend. <laughs> Good life. God damn. Uh, what did you see? Yeah, what animals did you see? Uh, it was actually a pretty quiet safari. So we went uh, to the Savo region, which mm. is kind of like on the south, southern end of Kenya. Um, what I was hoping to see, because this is one of the only regions in the world that still has tusker elephants. So they look like mammoths. Mm. Their trunks are, like, massive. They weigh, like, over 100 pounds. Um, I think there's only, like, 20 left in the world, and half of them are in the Savo region of Kenya. No. But, of course, we didn't see any. Like, that's kind of a dream. Maybe. Where are they? Are they hiding in the trees? <laughs> Where the hell are they hiding? Well, it's, like, massive. Like, the land is huge, huge, huge. Like, uh. 9,000 kilometers square. Um, we saw... A, lot a lot of giraffes am i allowed to swear on this thing yep okay we saw a shit ton of giraffes <laughs> <laughs> i know man your videos I, I actually recently saw a video <laughs> of a giraffe attacking like a car and I'm like i hope to god that's not shit out 
you're so paranoid. Everyone, like, people are like, oh, my God, is it scary? It's not scary. And once you've, like, the first time, maybe. But once you've been on these safaris for a while, like, you realize, like, the guides do this every single day of their lives. Like, they're not going to drive you in and hmm. have you eaten. <laughs> I, I, bad, I know. It's bad for tourism, man. They won't let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you get messed up. Listen, but, uh, like I told you, yeah. in, I'm a 38-year-old man, but inside I'm an old immigrant mom. Yeah, I feel like that. Hey, I care about you. I like my friends to be around. <laughs> I will be okay, I promise. Good, good, good. So you mentioned the elephant. Is that the most impressive animal you've ever seen in the wild? Um, I mean, they're incredible. Like seeing the elephants is probably a major highlight it's something that you'll see over and over and over again and then there's there's a park in um, a national park in Kenya called uh, Amboseli and that's where you see giant herds with like hundreds of elephants at a time and so you're sitting in your car and you're just watching like hundreds of elephants just pass by in front of you. No. and it's incredible absolutely like breathtaking so I feel like it's, it's an animal you I would never get tired of seeing elephants um but I think what's fun about being on these safaris and having the opportunity to go so often is that you start seeing things like hunts. You start mm. seeing animals like after they hunt. You've seen an animal kill another animal? Uh, close and almost even better. Mm. So when COVID happened, like around March, uh, Mark, my husband and I, like we got shipped back to Canada. Like it was just panic mode. They're like, you guys got to leave. And so we decided last ditch effort to go to the Nairobi National Park, which is like very close to our home. So it's basically a national park in the middle of the city. So we went, we weren't really expecting to see anything. We were like last ditch effort. Like it might be the last time we ever get to see wildlife. <laughs> um, and that day within the hour, we saw like four lionesses. We were just kind of chilling. And then in the distance, there were water buffaloes. Mm. And then Mark was like, they're, they're going to go out. <laughs> like, I don't know we'll see and so then all of a sudden you see like and they like coordinated the attack and then they started like slowly approaching this one uh water buffalo that was by itself and just like they ran from a distance from all angles they jumped this water buffalo and water buffaloes are extremely hard to take down like I think lions need to be kind of desperate to try to take down something so large mm. um so you have a lioness like hanging off the front of the face of this water <laughs> buffalo. You have other lionesses like just gnawing at its leg. And like, it was insane. It was like super thrilled. I was like hyperventilating. I was going crazy. But then after like, it, take, it could take like over an hour to bring down this apple. Mm. So we're like sitting there and you're kind of like, fuck, I want to see this kill. But then you're like, oh, this is so sad. And then, so this goes on for like maybe 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, in the distance, you see, like, a herd of water buffaloes, like, coming. And no. they came, and they saved the water buffalo. That was big yeah, it was, like, so that's why I mean, like, it's almost better than a kill. So they, like, came, they surrounded this one water buffalo, and all the lions, like, ran away. And then they were kind of, like, facing off, and the water buffaloes were chasing the lions away. It was, like, the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> wow, that's, that's like a Disney story. <laughs> um... Without dying. Dark. Disney dark. <laughs> Disney is dark. There's always one dying. 
yeah, I guess so. Because but that's amazing. I, you know what? It's funny that you say that because I don't know. Every video I see is like there's gonna be like one target animal, and then that got messed up, and no one helps really. Everybody yeah. runs. And by the way, I'll be one of those animals that'll be running. Okay. <laughs> I'm not fighting. Come on, you got to stick to your own. This is like an inspiring story about community and humanity. Uh, listen, if there are four <laughs> lions hanging on you, I'm sorry, Shita. I love you, but you got to go. <laughs> All right, let's fair. All right, thank you for the story, but let's leave those animals <laughs> behind and let's go to the nitty gritty. Fine. All right, I know. <laughs> so, where's your family originally from? Uh, my parents are from Gujarat, uh, the western state in India. They came mm. over to, to Montreal like in the in the 70s. Mm. Probably for the same reason that, you know, most immigrants come for better life, better opportunities, which of course I'm grateful for because um, I'm experiencing the benefits of, of that one, what they did. Yeah. How old were they, if you, do you remember? Uh, I think my mom was like in her late teens. Wow, that young, eh? Yeah. That's crazy, man. Like, I, I, it always blows my mind when I hear stories like that. Like, people. How, how old were you when you came? Sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, I was 20 going 21. So you're super young, too. Hey, listen, my amazing what? mom did all the work, all right? <laughs> she cr created all the possibilities, and I just jumped on like a privileged prick. Well, that's how it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, after that, I, I did my own thing, right? But yeah. like I, I, I tell my mom every day that I'm grateful for her sacrifices. I mean, it's insane what she did. Do, do you find like your mom just talks about it like, yeah, whatever, like yeah. very casually? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, like, yeah, that's what I did. We're all like, wow, like, how could you do this? Like, you move from your country to another country. You don't know the language whole different culture it's really this huge feat and i think we recognize it for what it is but our parents are just like yeah we came <laughs> in the 70s end of story like, okay. yeah <laughs> for them it's just like a fact that like that's what yeah. i have to do which is awesome yeah. and impressive but you know but sometimes they forget like sit down think of what amazing things they did i feel like yeah yeah absolutely but yeah, so, but you know, I mean, it's funny because you mentioned that because people goes to me and ask me about my story and I tell them the story and they're like, what is happening? I don't understand. Is this possible? And I said, yeah, but wait for my parents' story. It'll be worse or better or however you, you want to see it, right? So you mentioned you're a, a daughter of an immigrant. You were born in Montreal, obviously. I was, yeah. Okay. And how was that growing up as a immigrant's daughter? Um, I want to say good, but I think like when I look back at my childhood, like I, I do see how race and ethnicity started playing a, a role in my life, like from a very young age. Mm, what do you mean? So, uh, I mean, I I grew up on like. Until grade two, I grew up in the Cotonage area of Montreal. So we lived like in a small apartment. Everyone around us was ethnic. You know, everyone was black, brown, we had Indians, Sri Lankans, uh, Trinidadians, Guyanese, like everyone was colored. And, you know, my cousins lived close by. Um, some of my closest friends even 
to this day lived a few blocks away. So it was really a community setting, I think. And I think for my parents to, like, I mean, I was too young for to realize that it was a community setting, but for my parents, I'm sure they felt like to be a new immigrant, it means something to have your people around you, mm. to have that sense of community, to have that connection, which, you know, I think all of us. All of us need, right? Yeah, we, we, we need that. And it helps It helps a lot. Like the more I do this podcast is the more it shows up that if you move to a different country, find community. That's the best way. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think like not just for immigrants, I think even for children of immigrants, it's really, for me especially, it's been really important to have my friends who are the same um, ethnicity as me, have the same background so, uh, so when I was in grade two, my after you know living in this sort of community in an area where everyone is ethnic, I moved you know into another area. My parents wanted to move to a bigger house, and so I changed schools. And all of a sudden, I was in a school with mostly white kids, mm. and I was the only, I think probably one of two Indian kids, and then a handful of black kids or handful of ethnic kids. And yeah, like, and I think at that point I started feeling it that you know i was ethnically different mm -hmm. um because i think you know at that age i guess seven eight like that's when kids start becoming assholes also <laughs> <laughs> i mean kids are always assholes yeah but sometimes they get like really mean assholes i think at that age so mm. i mean i would get made fun of for the food i'd bring to school i'd get made fun <laughs> of yeah can, can you re can you relate <laughs> I would get made fun of because I was like crazy hairy and now it's like yeah man my people are hairy it's part of being brown <laughs> who cares I know the, fuck off the, you know who, like yeah it, well, you know that uh, that joke by uh, Russell Peters yeah about jokes about Indians yeah like I'm gonna put you in the hottest part of the world and I'm gonna make you the hairiest person in the world and cover you with hair <laughs> like a joke on practice yeah and I mean like yeah, whatever. Like now as an adult, I'm like, hey, whatever, who cares? Um, but yeah, kids were mean. They would like straight up be racist. Like call me tacky and make fun of me. <laughs> <So>, like, <laughs> you're laughing, but it's like super traumatic. I yeah, know, it's... but listen, I went Funny, through traumatic I... childhood too, right? But I can't help but laugh because what are you going to do? You do. Right? Yeah, but I'm sorry laugh. for laughing. <laughs> no, 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 you can laugh. It is. It's funny. Like, now you can look back and laugh and be like, holy crap. <laughs> right? But, um, but it, I mean, these things are traumatic and it does shape how you feel about yourself and how you feel as a as an ethnic person in a predominantly white place. Mm -hmm. For sure. And yeah. as you mentioned this to me, and I'd like to ask you, was your name us ever be a problem growing oh. up? <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh. actually a problem up until this day. So you call me Chital, but my name is actually Cecil. Chital? Cecil. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I remember when we met and I was like, you were saying something about your name and make people saying it like in a weird, you know, in a shitty way. No pun intended. Yeah. But, and I was like, what's wrong with these people? Just it's Chital, but there's nothing else, right? It's the, it is what it is. But <laughs> but yeah, was it ever a problem? No, I mean, it is a problem. Well, it's a problem because one, 
most people can pronounce my name. So my name's pronounced Sito. Um, but then there's lots of Indians that pronounce the H, so they'll call me Sheetal. Hmm. Um, then I have my English name, like I, I anglicized my name because nobody can say it, like at a very young age, which also plays into what I was talking about. Um, so then I became Chatel, which I'm very used to. And then like, you know, growing up in Quebec, I had a French name, it was Chital. <laughs> I like that one better. No, I hate it. Why? <laughs> And then, okay, so then I would get, you know, people would just not get my name. So they'd be like, Chantal? Like, no, not my name's not Chantal. Um, I'm an Indian girl. I'm not Chantal. Like, stop it. <laughs> There's no end. I don't know. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, Chantal. Um, and then, like, so, I mean, to, to non-Indians, I would always say that my name is Chantal. Hmm. But when I moved out here... Um, my husband, my husband's wife, and so when he introduces me to my wife, Sito, so he says my name the way it's supposed to be said. So he introduces me to to other non-Indians as Sito. So now all the non-Indians that I know in Nairobi call me like Sito or Sito or like some variation of my name. So yeah, my name's, my name's been a uh, in the vein of my existence. Have you have you ever thought of changing it? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. I, I like that. That you, even it's like a bane of your life. You still continue do like. Oh, keep... if I have a kid, I'm gonna give them the most messed up name ever, just so they know the pain and the struggle. Like all of my friends, like give their kids like all these really gorgeous, nice names, like mm. both Indian and English. I'm just mm. gonna give them straight up like the hard, most hardcore Indian names I can think of. <laughs> It's like that song, The Boy Named Sue. What's that? The, it's a Johnny Cash song, right? and the dad named the son Sue, okay. and, which is a woman's name, right? So oh, entire yeah. whole life, he always gets into fight. <laughs> okay. And then at the end, the whole time, the son is like mad at the dad, and he's been looking for the dad to kill him. And at the end of the song, he met his dad. Okay. And, his, and they got into a fight. And like, what the hell, man? Why did you name me Sue? And the dad's like, well, if I didn't name you Sue, you will be weak. And the son's like, all right, makes sense. But I'll still kill you anyway. <laughs> oh, shit, okay. Actually, that was written, a lot of people doesn't know that's written by Shel Silverstein. Okay. You, you know him? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's one of, I love that guy. He's the one that wrote um, The Giving Tree. Okay, I've not read it. It's a, it's a children's story book about a tree giving everything to this kid. And then okay. in the end, the kid is like, it's, it's pretty much the story about parenthood. Okay. So for the listeners that are parents, I really advise for you to buy that book and read it to your kids. If you love your kids. If you don't, just buy it anyway and hit the kids with it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of getting hit, did you get hit? Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to go in no, details. No, no, no. No, no, I probably got, like, spanked as a mm. child. Like, you mm. know, like a proper, normal spanking. <laughs> proper but yeah, spanking. it's part of, I mean, it's part of being um, ethnic. Yeah, I know. That's why I ask you. Yeah. yeah, like, white people are horrified. But it's like, no. My friends got beat. My cousins got beat. Everyone got beat. Yeah, everybody the, the, got the, beat, the, dude. The, the degree of beats was different, probably, mm. for most people. Like, mm. 
like I said, I probably just got spanked, but yeah, it's, it's just, this is part of being an ethnic kid. Keeps you in line. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps it in Wait, line. so so do you do you I don't fucked up conversation. Um, do you do you spank your children? No, actually no. Because dude, no. I mean I didn't get spanked. I get I get tortured. <laughs> oh, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. I mean, yeah, there are some like there are were parts that, like I'm pretty sure this is child abuse. But like, but like you said, you know, I understood why they did it. You know, as I got older, as I have having kids, I understand why they did it. You know, but to go back to your question, no, I don't hit my kids. I mean, I get wrap them up a little bit. You know, like what the fuck? <laughs> grab them like, hey, get your shit together. Yeah. But yeah. I don't really. I, mean, I don't even really... if you did beat your kids, you wouldn't admit it on this podcast. I will actually. I don't. I don't <laughs> okay. care. I mean, I. I, I'm a type of pair of parents that I talk to my kids like I talk to anyone. Yeah. Like I don't do like, hey baby, how are you today? <laughs> I don't do that shit, dude. I'll talk to them like sometimes I call them bro. You know? Oh, man. Like, hey bro, come on man, get your shit together. You know? Because okay. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if I'm honest with them, if I see them like I talk to them like essentially equal. They'll respect me yeah. more, you know. But I always remind them, like, "Hey, we're not friends. I'm your dad." Yes. Right? Yeah. I think I think that's important. So. Makes yeah. So I don't I don't hit my kid. I, I, I yeah. Once in a while, I swear. I don't swear at them. I swear, but I don't swear at them. Okay. But okay. I'm I'm a dad. Yeah. What do you want me to do? All right. That's why the mom's that's the mom's job. So I yell at them, and then they go to the mom, and the mom's like, "Oh, baby." Oh. That's. What? Sexist again. Why is it sexist again? <laughs> That's what the men does. We challenge the kids and you guys make sure they're amazing. Any, amazing kids. any sentence that starts with that's what the man does <laughs> is cause for concern. <laughs> Listen, you know I love women more than men. Most of my friends are women, to be honest. Uh, I get uh, along with I, I love I get along with women more than men. Because I was raised by women. Okay. But I'm a, I am a little bit sexist, all right? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. Let's, let's, let's move on from this. All right. So let's talk about... Have I you... mean, I wanted, to tell, mm. I wanted to tell you, actually. Um, I mean, I told you a little bit about like my experience in elementary school, but I wanted to tell you about my experience in high school. Yes, please. Yeah. So, I mean, when I entered high school, there were it was like this huge flip because there were so many Indian students. <laughs> like, so like if anyone's listening from Montreal and they know LHA, they'll know what I'm talking about. Hmm. So, you know, after all this, this experience as a child, like feeling like really starting to feel like a minority, like when you get back amongst your, amongst your peers, amongst people that are, you know, your that are Indian and ethnic and kind of know the experience, all of a sudden, like, it doesn't feel like you're, like, this black sheep. No pun intended. Um, yeah, there's just, like, an ease and confidence about uh, around being my, around my friends mm. who were my friends from when I was a kid. Um, people who understand what it's like to grow up with ethnic parents um, and to have that other life at home. 
So I one of the funny stories from my high school is that there were so many Indians, so many Patels actually. So the same last name as me. So like when it'd be photo day, they would call down everyone by last name. So everyone in the last name A, please come down to the, the gymnasium or whatever, wherever we take photos. Uh, and then then it would be like everyone with the last name P except the Patels come down. <laughs> Then I'd be like, only the Patels come down. <laughs> How many Patels are there? There were tons of Patels. Oh, yeah. Tons. So, so, yeah, I think like in high school, there was like this huge shift, like going back to connecting with my, my Indian friends again. Mm. So that was cool. I think that, that helped. That helped a lot. Mm. Help you help to find yourself. I think helped to make me feel more comfortable understood and i think that's really important in your teen years especially right like yeah. we're all kind of lost at that age mm -hmm. so being around those friends yeah. Really yeah did you have any like ethnic friends like a white person or black person like yes yes mm. i did like good I friends did. like in your like, group uh in my immediate group uh we were all indian but i did have friends like outside of my group you know mm. of other nationalities um but like my close-knit group was was my indian friends and they still are so like our parents are friends mm -hmm. we've known each other since we were like born or since we were like small children and we're still friends now like so it's like a built-in it's like a built-in family really mm -hmm. that's cool i like i like that because yeah. that sometimes it like it's cool to be with your people but sometimes yeah. people forget that like, oh, there are other ethnicities and, you know, yeah. it, 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 it stops you from understanding the other point of view. Yes, that right? is absolutely correct. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think like our friend, our, our group of friends is so close knit, but I've always made it a point to have friends outside of that group hmm. that were not Indian. Um, and also I learned that because, I mean, I, I love traveling, as you know. So, I've, like, all throughout my 20s, like, any time I had free time, like, I was off traveling. Like, I've been to, like, over 30-something countries. And you meet people, and you meet people from other cultures. You meet people who live different lives, people who have different values. And that, that really expands your mind from your, like, little close-knit group of friends of like, people who know you. Mm -hmm. So, I think it's super important to kind of have a balance between both. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. I know when you told me like you used to travel alone, I'm like, this isn't like dangerous. <laughs> like I'm worried about you. Oh like, my god! Like the story the of immigrant mom again. Stop <laughs> it. Hey, listen, okay, leave me alone, all right? <laughs> like that story. Can you tell that story when you went to what was that? India? No, not India. Um, Vietnam. Was it Vietnam? Yeah. When you met this lady. Okay, so I'm in I'm in Vietnam. I'm in Hoi An. I'm like I'm on this trip backpacking for a few months, and uh, that day I didn't really have much to do, and so I was just kind of walking around and exploring. And there was this like Vietnamese little, little Vietnamese lady. She like rides up next to me on her bicycle, and she's <laughs> like, "Hey, like, do you want to see my shop?" And I was like, oh, "Okay, like, is it around here?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's just here. It's just here." I was like, "Okay," so thinking like I would walk there. She's like. No, no, get on my bicycle. So I like got on the back of <laughs> Wait, her bicycle. What do you mean? Oh yeah, like there's a, like a step thing in the back. I don't know. I don't know, but it's like a regular bicycle, and I like was like, what's it called? Double Dutch. 
Anyway, so I'm riding like on the back of her bicycle with this little tiny Vietnamese lady. And I was like, where the F are we going right now? <laughs> she's, she's like, yeah, yeah, she's there like as if it's like a block away. And then like we're riding on her bicycle for like five minutes and she brings me into this like clothing shop. Mm. So it was <laughs> I think when I told when I I think when I told you you were freaking out, I was like, yo, it's a bicycle. Like worst case scenario, I just jump off. Shit out. I'm from the Philippines. I've heard stories, okay? <laughs> oh, like, man. oh yeah, come on my bicycle. Let's gonna go and actually funny enough is I just recently watched again the movie Taken with my kids. No, no. Like that. So See, I don't I don't watch stuff like that. So I like, know. I'm not. I'm not about like that fear mindset of like thinking about all the things that could go wrong when you're traveling. Like I hate like when I told people I went. I went backpacking after like three months because the company that I was working with got sold, so everyone got laid off. And I was like, "Sweet, this is my chance to go travel." And so when I was saying my goodbyes and saying goodbye to people, um, a lot of people were just like, "Oh, well, be." be careful you know this person went and someone put drugs in their bag and <laughs> this happened and that happened and people just want to scare you mm-hmm. and keep you stuck i think people are so afraid of, of getting out there and pushing their boundaries and doing things but instead of saying like what are the amazing things and the amazing benefits you can get from having these experiences versus all the terrible things that are going to happen you're going to be decapitated and like and no one's ever going to find you. Yes, these things happen, but use your brain. Be smart. Mm-hmm. Don't jump on some lady's bike. <laughs> Shit, that bit me in the ass. <laughs> but no, you are co- obviously you're correct. I watched the movie Taken because of the action part. Other than that, like, hey, I actually, that's one thing I tell my kids, like, hey, when you get older, I would like you to travel. I would like you to, yeah. you know, see the world. Because um, yeah. I remember like last year, I say this all the time, but whatever. Like when I went back to the Philippines with them. Okay. And so I brought them there. And I said, hey, this is where I grew up. This guys ended up loving the slum. So they stayed there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like, on a, like a whole month, I didn't see them for like three weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, how, the, they, how old were they when when you took them? Uh, just last, last year, year yeah, just last year. Oh, okay. So, and funny thing is, at the end, they were crying. They're like, they didn't oh. want to leave. They're like, why can't we stay here? I was like, well, because our lives are in Montreal. And then they're like, they're so smart, man. They love it. They really wanted to stay. I'll tell you why. Yeah. They go as soon as I say that, like our lives are in Montreal. They say, why not we stay here? And you and mommy go back to Montreal and then you send us money. <laughs> nice. They, come, they came up with these crazy plans. I'm like, when That's did you awesome. guys start thinking of this? Like, but, you know, the funny thing is it made me enjoy the experience more. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I love that they love where I'm from. Exactly. You know, obviously, they don't understand the the gravity of the situation but at yeah. least they they appreciate it and i funny one time actually there was a part of the i, I grew up in the area so i kind of have an idea where to go and like small alleys and whatever they brought me to this alley which i grew up going through but you know yeah. i'm from canada now i'm soft now right i'm not like that 
and they're like walking and it's actually one of my cousin's house which is you know i'm not being you know it's dilapidated you know what i mean like yeah it's yeah. a lot of mosquitoes and you know and they wanted to sleep there oh wow they're like can we sleep here i'm like i don't want you catching dengue to be honest but I love that they're willing to do that. They're like, yeah, but it, it's, it's incredible. Like, I don't think kids see things the way we do. We're like, oh, this is dirty. Oh, I don't mm. want to sleep here. Oh, this is not like pretty and shiny and new. Like, kids just they want to have fun. Mm, I agree. They want to play. Agree. They want to enjoy. And I and I totally relate to the story that you're telling because when I was six years old, my brother was probably 10, 11 years old. We went to India and it was the same thing. Like we were in the village and I think, and my brother still tells stories about this time. Like loved it. We mm. loved it. Like we were just kind of like everyone, you can go to anyone's house. You can walk into their house, like mm. the whole street, the whole neighborhood, like your big family, your big community. You run around with the kids of the, the village. Um, you go sit at someone else's dinner table. Like yeah. it's this really strong. Know. Yeah, like you're just like, oh yeah, this must be my uncle. You go and you sit down and you have dinner with someone's family. Like it's just, you run around barefoot. Like it's just really freedom. Mm. It's freedom, it's safety, it's this like sense of community, it's a sense of family. It's, it's just lovely. And I think that's probably what kids pick up on. Yeah, they, they pretty much like that. They pretty much like they they felt welcome as much, even though they don't speak the language. But they that yeah. didn't matter, you know. They had friends. It was funny because we're actually one time we're walking, and they were like saying hi to everyone, like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And they're calling their names, not just like yeah. saying hi, you know. And I'm like, "When did you guys meet these people?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, hanging out here." I'm like, "This was me when I was growing up here. I say hi to everyone. Now I don't know nobody, but I just <laughs> loved seeing that, and I love that you had that same experience." Yeah, absolutely. But let's go back to you growing up a little bit. Okay. Did you have dual identity crisis? Yes. And how was that? Yeah. Um, I think like, I think most ethnic kids kind of have that. It's like sort of persona that you have out in the world in school and at work or um, with your non-ethnic friends where you're kind of conforming to what society is. And then at home, it's like completely different. Like your parents have a whole different set of values than your your non-Indian friends or your non-ethnic friends do. Um, you have certain obligations. Hmm. They, your parents expect certain things of you. Um, you're, I don't know if I said this already, but like you're brought up with different values, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so, I mean, I'm trying to think of some examples. Like, did you have, like, times where, like, oh, I don't want to be Indian. I don't want to be associated with them. When I was younger, yes. Mm. Um, because my parents were strict. My parents, you know, like, yeah, it's okay. Here's, here's a good example. Like, when I, when I switched to that other school and all these kids like they were my friends and they were having sleepovers and be like hey Chanel, do you want to come to a sleepover and my parents were like hell no you're not going to sleep over <laughs> at some stranger's house are you kidding me like <laughs> That's and i think ethnic people like ethnic people can relate to this mm -hmm. and yeah yeah exactly 
Why do you um, think is that? They're protective. They want to protect their kids. Like, yeah, but every pa lose, all parents does that. But yeah, but you don't. You, you just don't go stay at someone's house that's not your family. You just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not I understand. Thing. Yeah, I know. I understand. Like, you know, I you don't. Do you think that's fear of? Do you think that's xenophobia somehow? No. Like, I mean, your friend, your friends were. You said they were Indians, right? No, no, these were like my white friends. Okay, it, exactly. Yeah. This is what I mean. Do you think if they were Indians, they would allow you to sleep over? No. no. Same. Only, okay. only with my cousins. All right, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, only with family life. So things like like silly things like that. Um, just what else? I mean, I, this is when I, I was older, but you know, there's there's a lot of expectation to settle down, to get married, to have a family. Like you gotta you gotta get that degree, you gotta get married, you gotta have children. Like you have to follow this very um, predetermined life. Yeah, the formula. And it's kind of, yeah, like it's it's like nailed into our heads since we were young. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, like when you get married, it's not if you get married, it's when <laughs> you get married. Um, and so I think I had this like dual identity in the sense that like I wanted to please my family. I wanted to be the quote unquote good Indian girl. But at the same time, I wanted to do things that other people weren't doing. Like I didn't want to get married right away i didn't want to settle down and have family I'm almost 35 i don't have kids don't um, have kids <laughs> that's another topic um you know instead of like settling down and getting that job like i wanted to go travel hmm. even now like it's always been my dream to live abroad and i get to live my dream of living so i think in that sense like i i did get married did settle down um i did get an accounting degree <laughs> but but i think you're laughing at the accounting that, like, degree I'm, I'm laughing at the accounting thing because i didn't want to be an accountant so here's another example of like that dual identity thing like mm. there was this like expectation uh, to get a good degree like ethnic parents you don't get like arts degrees and design degrees, which is what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be a, a designer and you don't do those things. You become an accountant, you become a lawyer, you become a doctor, you become those things that like you will have a job forever, you will be safe because, mm -hmm. and I and I understand why, like our, our, our family and our parents went through everything they went through, like not for us to freaking throw it away, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so, hey, I didn't move across the Pacific. For you yeah. to just start drawing stuff on the wall, all right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think in, in those sorts of... I mean, I'm sure we can go more in detail about this. This is what I got for now. Mm, I understand, I understand. Yeah. I like that you said that you wanted to be a designer. And I just want to do a special shout-out to you. Because for the listeners, Shital is the one who designed the logo of An Immigrant's Life. <laughs> so thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. It's fun. How many did you give me? Like, I think it was like nine, eh? 
yeah, I know. I like got in the zone and I just made you like 10 different logos. And I was like, choose one. Yeah. Thank you. They're, be they're all beautiful. Oh, I run it through some brands and that was like the one. But to be honest, when I saw that, I was like, this is it. This one here. Yeah, was, I, I really like it. I like that like fingerprint kind of talks about identity, which all um, immigrants and ethnic minorities deal with. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Their identity. Yeah. Thank you for that. Speaking of being married. So you mentioned that your husband is ethnically I, it's not even ethnic. He's white. No, he's not ethnic. He's white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so you, you know, naturally, after all those white kids being racist to me, I went and I married a white man. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Pocahontas. No, 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 no. He's wonderful. He's the best guy in the world. Yes, yes. He's, he's all right. He's all right. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. <laughs> but where did you guys meet? Online. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So millennial. Very. It's where you meet people now. Yeah, we met online and um, we dated for a little bit. And then after we started dating, he found out that he, he was moving to Nairobi for work. So after mm. a year of us um, dating, we started doing long distance, like legit long distance, Nairobi to Montreal. So we did that for like a year and a half. And now I moved uh, back in 2019, at the beginning of 2019, I came over here to Nairobi. And then I came back to Montreal for a few months to get married. And then I've been here since, mm -hmm. minus the little COVID. But yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's, I mean, and... Speaking of being a good Indian girl, did your parents <laughs> want you to marry an Indian man instead? Was that an uh, issue? I think, I think the messaging when I was younger was that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was not an issue. It was a non-issue, which is, which is great because I think like, you know, just in that like decade or so, so much changed in terms of like being open-minded and realizing like, Hey, your kid doesn't have to marry someone within the same culture. Like mm -hmm. there are good, decent men and my parents and my family. And I think my whole community like, loves Mark. Mm -hmm. yeah. he's, he's, he's a good looking son of a gun. You I know, was that gonna helps. Say, he's, yeah. I'm like, he's very good looking. So that helps. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Like it was not a, a big deal and they met him and they, they, they like him and, and Mark was, you know, just very kind and open-hearted and he wanted to learn and he wanted to please my family. And so, you know, even during, we did, we had a Hindu wedding. And so he was just like the best sport about learning the traditions and mm. doing all the, the Hindu rituals. And honestly, like he just looks like a better Indian than me. <laughs> He was a pro, like he was an absolute pro. Yeah, he's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So obviously, you guys in a mixed marriage. Yeah. You both grew up being quote unquote Canadians, but different background. Has it ever been an issue between the two of you? I wouldn't say it's an issue. Like I said, like I think everything, like me going into his family was just normal because I was already accustomed to North American. Um, culture and life mm -hmm. but him coming into my family I think he had to learn 
um, just a little bit about our traditions, about holidays, about food, things like that. But it was never an issue. You know? mm. like it was just a bit of a learning curve. Um, the challenging bit of us having different different ethnicities, and it's it's not even a challenge, it's just, it's just kind of something funny, is that sometimes he doesn't understand how funny it is to be like immigrant and the child <laughs> of an immigrant. Like, because it's funny. It's I feel like there's just so many nuances to being ethnic. Um, it's like, you know, when we were young, like, and we like me and my friends would go out clubbing. Like, we had to make sure that our clothes didn't smell because our parents were cooking. So, like, this is just like universal. We all knew this. You know, <laughs> like you're trying not to smell like the food that your parents are cooking. Uh, another ethnic thing is like your parents like show up at the airport like six hours before their flight. <laughs> Excuse me, that's me, all right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like so much anxiety about missing this flight. Um, just like, like I said, nuances, like there's always going to be like these aunties and uncles that are up in your business and saying inappropriate things. And there's just stuff about our culture, like stuff that unless you're in it, unless you grew up with it, like you don't understand like how funny it is. Also like Gujarati is an extremely funny language like there's a lot of funny sayings and expressions and things like that so my cousins and I are like always laughing about these things but it's not something that Mark would have like I explain it to him but it's not the same it won't so I think in that sense like yeah it doesn't translate mm-hmm. I, yeah I, that happens to me my, with my wife too so when we're just dating so I try to trans- I'm pretty all right with translating and yeah. I translate it as much as I can but now I'm like if they made a joke and it's like really a Filipino joke, you know what I said? Yeah. It's a Filipino what? joke. You won't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Like, I think it's just best left like that because it doesn't translate. It's not mm, funny when you translate it. Exactly. It's like that's the soul of the joke is gone. Yeah, exactly. And um, um, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that, that I just wanted to tell you this funny story, which is, I don't know if Filipinos do something like this, but like, so when we go to like our relatives' homes, so like, uh, and we haven't seen them in our wall or something, the aunties and uncles, they're like, and when you're leaving, the aunties and uncles are always giving you money. Like the yep. kids. Hells yeah. Like, oh, you guys do it too? Okay, yeah, I love it. <laughs> and then you're like, and then like as a kid, you, you're like panicking, you're saying, no, no, it's okay. Like I'm big now. And then your parents are like, why are you giving them money? They don't need money. And there's this like huge like commotion and the auntie's like, no, no, I'm your auntie. Like you have to take this money. <laughs> and then you're like panicked because you're like, you know, eventually you're going to take the money. Mm-hmm. And, then, <laughs> and then after this like back and forth, your parents are like, okay, okay, you can take it. And it's like mm-hmm. every time. It's just funny, funny things like that that yeah. are so like, yeah. So you guys do that too? Hells yeah, dude. I love it. <laughs> I love dropping. I do it now. I drop some money on the side, you know? And I'm like, don't tell nobody. Because <laughs> he's going to get in trouble. I don't want him getting in trouble. But I want him to get the money. That's funny. Right? But now most of the, my nephews and nieces are getting older. So I just send it to their oh, account. <laughs> yeah. So like, like I mentioned to, to a, uh, a nephew of mine, I said, he wanted something. I said, you know the rules. Just buy it. I'll send you the money. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm, but I'm not going to the store to buy it for you, okay? 
but I love that you share that. That that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like just the nuances of being part of this culture. It's funny, funny little things like that. Yeah, I I want to ask you. I don't know if it's a uh, so in my culture, in Filipino culture, it doesn't matter your weight. It, like you can be fat, you can be skinny. Actually, they don't like skinny. They like fat. Okay. So. Let's say I started dating someone, right? Yeah. And that person start losing weight, let's say. Because, you know, she's taking care of herself, exercising and everything. <laughs> my aunts okay. and my uncles will get mad at me. Because they'll think, oh, you're not feeding here well. Yeah. You're not yeah, taking... Exactly. Does that happen in Indian too? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's not like... But it's, I feel like it's more the other way around. Like, if your son... Like, I feel like it's always pinned on the woman. Like, you're not feeding them enough. <laughs> yes, well, because unfortunately, women are the cooks, right? Yes, traditionally. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. but it, for that's that's one thing I'm proud about being Filipino. We're not sexist at all. Yeah. We don't care if okay. you're male or female. Can you do the job? Yes. Okay, do the job. You know. <laughs> but I mean, yes, we have specific jobs that are women centric, and there are some male centric, and we don't look at it like, oh, you're doing that, you're lower than me. I'm doing this, you're lower than me. It's just okay. it's just like, that's your job. This is my job. That's it. But if you lose weight, they will make a comment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's like no shame in talking about that. No, not but at all. But it's not meant, like, I feel like it's not meant the same way that in North America, like, mm-hmm. you start commenting about people's weight. Like, I don't think, like, the stigma around, like, the way your body looks is the same overseas as it is in, in Canada. So yeah, they're just shameless. Like <laughs> you're skinny, they're gonna tell you. You're gaining weight, they're gonna tell you. Like, yeah. But the the funny thing wait. about uh, the funny thing about gaining weight, right? Like, okay, I'm gonna tell you a story. When I started dating my wife, I told her this. I said, "Hey, okay. in my culture, we do this, but that doesn't mean anything. It's just it is a comment. That's it. It's not to hurt you or anything." So we we went to my mom's, and I walk in, and my wife walk in well eventually became my wife my aunt goes up to her and she's like oh you're fat now oh shit <laughs> that's horrible oh no <laughs> I, but she wasn't she i mean i don't know because she hasn't seen her for a while i don't know so i look at her just to make sure like is she okay you know was she offended okay. she she seems okay but the funny thing is as soon as my aunt says that she goes did you guys eat like, and then they'll serve food to you and then call you fat. Yeah, yeah. Does that Indian do that? I, yeah, yeah. It, it's very similar. I feel like, yeah, like they don't mean anything by it, but also like it's time to wake up and realize you can't just talk about people's bodies. Mm. But these are like, these are immigrants that are older immigrants. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like us, I, like you and I, we won't say that. No, we wouldn't you know. say that. I'm not saying that they're, you know, um, <laughs> they're trying to hurt someone. It's just that's that's the culture. They're, they're just savage, man. <laughs> exactly. Tell it like it is. They do. They don't care. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you're fat now. Eat more. Well, um, I so I live in, in Nairobi and I have a housekeeper. And then I, one day she looked at me and she's like, oh, you, you've gotten... I was like, no, don't say that. (laughs) Oh, man. 
And it was like just like the most innocent comment ever. Like she did not mean anything. Exactly. He would never say anything to hurt me. I was just laughing. That's how it is. How did you feel like when she said that? I was like, I was like, yeah, I did. I gained some weight. I've been having fun here, but um, (laughs) good life. That's awesome, man. So you mentioned you're from, you're now in Kenya. Do you like yeah. Kenya compared to Montreal? I love it. I do. I love it. Yeah. Why? Um, I mean, I can say that because I've come here and I'm in a very privileged position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the country obviously has a lot of social issues and poverty and, and hunger and all these horrible things, but it's also a really beautiful country. Like the wildlife is is out of this world. Like it, it's lush, it's green. The people are kind. Like, and being here personally for me has been like this very freeing experience. Mm. It's been this great like life lesson. And like, I mean, in regards to race and ethnicity, like what we've been talking about, like it's it's been it's been a freeing experience for me because I'm here in this country that's predominantly black. And I'm in a country where there are, I don't know if you know this, but there's a huge Gujarati population Mm. in Kenya. Um, So, you know, like I'd be out and about and I, like every single day I overhear people talking in Gujarati. Like I would, like, it's crazy. I would never experience this back home, you know, like where you're like, oh, I'm just a part of the fabric of the life here. Like I'm not... I'm not an ethnic minority. Mark's the ethnic minority. <laughs> but like, right? Like he's the visible minority, mm-hmm. not me, which is nice. <laughs> um, it's nice to be. <laughs> it's no, it's nice. It, it, it feels like you belong. It feels mm. like a place where I belong. So like even there's like Diwali just passed, which is like a huge celebration for Hindus. Oh, happy and Diwali, by the way. Thank you. And so, I mean, you'd be driving around Nairobi and there's huge billboards for Diwali. No Imagine way. that in Montreal. <laughs> oh, no. Exactly. So, like, you see Diwali stuff and then, like, you go to the grocery store and you got Indian sweets in the mm-hmm. display. That's awesome. Um, you go to restaurants, there's always Indian food on the menu. Like, you'll go to, like, the most pretty hip hipster place ever and there'll be an Indian dish Mm. you go on safaris they're serving you Indian food so like Mm. I really feel like I feel at home here I feel connected it's nice to not feel like I'm different I'm happy for you because and yes I I can attest to that because you're more calm I remember (laughs) I remember when you were here and you're always like I'm like Bro, chillax, everything's good. But you're like, I'm, I was so scared of you. Way to paint the picture of me. I mean, like, hey, I just gave you a compliment, okay? Like, you're more calm now. You're like, yeah, man, everything's awesome. Yeah. But I, like I said, I'm happy for you. Thank you. I feel like you found your, your place, you know? Other than going to safaris... What have you been doing to keep yourself occupied in Kenya? Um, so I've been volunteering with a small charitable organization here called the Nancy Ellen Crooks Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's a fantastic little charity that works to uh, works in three main projects, really. So they work, have a Lights for Learning program. So they're distributing solar lights to rural areas in Kenya that don't have electricity, mm. so specifically to children. So, I mean, we live very close to the equator. So 6 p.m., it's, it's pretty much dark here. So imagine these kids come home from school, from a long day of school, and it's 6 o'clock, and then they can't study. Mm-hmm. They're using, like, kerosene lanterns or cooking fire or other like really unsafe uh methods of lighting so like a simple solar lamp solves this problem for them which is like amazing so it's like helps them study it helps them focus helps them perform better in school and i really really love that program so we're actually fundraising for that right now Mm -hmm. uh the other two projects that the organization works on is building playgrounds for children like play it's something that in north america you just take for granted like i think with covid oh my kids can't go to the playground like yo mm. there's no playgrounds here for everybody to play <laughs> on <laughs> if there are they're like busted up and broken like it's just stuff you take for granted and so you know going into these communities and either community playgrounds um or playgrounds in prisons because they're when women go to prison here in kenya if they have children under the age of five the children also end up living in the prison so we're trying to get, yeah, it's pretty grim, but we're trying to at least help the children that are there with, uh, with access to playgrounds and learning and all the skills that come with that. And then our last program is the gardens program. So teaching kids how to grow uh, food and be, be sustainable in that regard. They're from Kenya. They know that already. That's what they do for no, a living. <laughs> no, no, they don't. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> okay. You can edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's awesome. Though. Yeah, no. So, so yeah, it, we're really helping. So I've been like doing a lot of, I don't know. I just like ended up getting really just into it and, and working on the day to day and working on a lot of marketing um, mm. efforts and fundraising efforts for them. So it's been a really rewarding, fantastic experience. Mm, yeah. Do you think that makes you enjoy Kenya more? Absolutely. I feel like we, we've come here and we have this great life and we're very fortunate and we get to travel often and see the world, uh, see the country. Um, but it also feels good to be able to contribute and mm-hmm. help and do something good while I'm here. Absolutely. That's awesome, yeah. man. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I love it. Yeah. When I release the episode, I'm going to include the link of the foundation. Yay. Awesome. The small thing I can do, you know, I don't have money, so I'm not going to send anything. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Very much appreciated. Hey, you're welcome. How do you think immigration changed you as a person? Like my parents' immigration? You, you as you have become an immigrant. Well, I don't think I, I don't think I'm an immigrant. I'm you not live, here permanently. I know, but like, what's your definition of immigration? A person that lives in a different country. <laughs> not necessarily. I feel like it's different. Like my parents coming to Canada or your parents or you yourself coming to Canada and settling down, making a life. It's very different than me being posted here as a, as in a diplomatic role as like a part of a husband's government employee. Like it's, it's different, right? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't come with the same what's the word I'm looking for. Don't look at me. You're smarter than me. It doesn't carry the same weight. I get it. Yeah. And I'm not here permanently. We're here on a posting. So we'll come home soon. I think the experience has, um, I think the experience has changed me in the sense that like, 
it's made like I said, it's been a, it's been a really great life lesson, and it's been really good for just my soul to be here and be connected to, to this land and to this life and to see the country and see the the issues and and be grateful for be grateful. Like I said, like at the beginning of our chat, like I'm grateful for my parents to come to Canada and give me these opportunities so that I could be here doing these amazing things that I'm doing. Amen. I mean. Thank you for their sacrifices always, you know? Of course. Uh, do you have any questions? Any uh, topic that you'd like to talk about that we haven't talked about? No. You're good? I think we can save uh, uh, any other conversation for another podcast. For sure. If you're uh, willing to have me back. <laughs> of course. I'd love to have you back. Reason to talk and talk shit about anything. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah. We got it all? Yep. Great yeah. to catch up with you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Again, I want to thank you for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Thank you and have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Again, Shital, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. See you guys later. <laughs>